Abysses, aka responsible, proper social distance shit talking from spare bedrooms across exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jerry. This is a podcast by atheists that talks about a lot of things, not just atheism. We will challenge your assumptions and ours too. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to try and make sense of an increasingly crazy world, all the while critiquing, ridiculing, and poking fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine a crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear in this podcast or anywhere else for that matter until you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words, duck, duck, go that shit. Episode 93, and apparently now we're trying to make sense of the world. <laughs> oh, I don't think we're going to succeed, but we can sure try. Lofty goals. It's the attempt. So one of the things that we want to try to make sense of is that we're maskless, but we're vaccinated. How do we feel about walking around among the, uh, the other people without a mask on? And why can't we just trust the science? And do we, as Dems or the left, have a wokeness problem? Is there a too far when it comes to inclusion? Is there a limit? Should there be a limit? Or is that my privilege talking? I'm going to have another sip of beer. I have a wokeness problem at night. I can't get to sleep. So, is that what you're talking about? Right, because the world is crazy. That's, and we're trying to make sense of it. What are you drinking, Jerry? It's called On Cassette. It is by New Anthem. It's a double IPA uh, with Mosaic, Citra, Amarillo, and El Dorado hops. They are out of Wilmington, North Carolina, and they are uniformly fantastic. I've heard of every one of those hops. Plus, their logo looks like a heavy metal band and i'm drinking something from pontoon one of our favorite local breweries and this one is called extra extra irish extra stout they've been really good at ma- making a good solid stout and this one they aged in jameson cask so they took it up a notch nice so it's a 2020 gold medal winning stout oh by the way mine's 8.1 forget what this one is this is not a big one this is like six percent so that'll help you sleep at night so last week, we were guests on the Zachrilich cast, so shout out to Zach for having us on. Really appreciate you having us on, Zach. I'm going to hoist my IPA to Zach. <laughs> Don't spill it on anything, though. Now, Zach is also a beer-drinking podcaster. Yeah, yes, he is. So I had beer when we went on his show, and I bought a six-pack of these and really enjoyed them, so I'm going to have some more tonight. It's the Creature Comfort Bebo. It's a Pilsner out of Athens, Georgia. My beer did not splew all over my monitor like it did last week. But there were certain times when the wind was blowing a certain way, I could smell that I did not clean the screen off. (laughs) Because it would be like stale beer smell. Oh, man. But it just inspires me to pod harder. (laughs) We talked about how you pod better when you're mad on Zach's podcast. You talked about that. Well, I haven't pissed you off yet. So is this the time? Well, I'm not going to tell you. It works better when you don't see it coming. Poke the bear. (laughs) And if you want to poke the bear... With us on Twitter, 
hit us up at Godless Podcast or Yahoo at Godless Heathens at Yahoo.com, our email, which we shamefully have not looked at in the last couple of weeks. Oh, we check that thing religiously. Religious term. Religiously. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Seriously, though, if you want to reach out, hit us up on Twitter. That's the best chance of us seeing it. We have a Patreon, but, you know, use that money instead to try and unseat a Republican. Yeah, give it to a worthy cause. So do you think the most common conversation among people who are vaccinated, like the house conversation with your spouse or your significant others is, so we're vaccinated, we don't need our masks, but then nobody's enforcing the masks and it's just not an honor system. Are you still going to wear your mask or where are you going to wear your mask or why aren't you going to wear your mask? I think I've had this conversation at home I swear, like a half a dozen times. And it always ends in the same place. Don't know. You know, it's, it, it ends in don't know with a good frosting of anger and disappointment because every place says if you're fully vaccinated, you can go in without a mask. No, but no, we're no. not going to check. Everybody's on the vaccination honor system. Well, that's the problem. It's on the honor system, so it's unenforceable. So basically, the company can just wash their hands of it. Right. They're trusting everyone who is not vaccinated to still wear a mask, which is a a total ha-ha-ha. Because they're trustworthy people who are going to do what's best for society as a whole, which is based upon their previous actions. You need to speak that with more of a sarcasm font. But back up the bus here. So our Kroger's here. The sign is still out. Mask required. So I bet it's not enforced as uh, well. Okay, so it was never anymore. really enforced. It's no more or less enforced than it ever was before. But I mean, it took a while, but eventually the majority of people that were in there were masked. You would always see a few that were not wearing a mask or were nosing. They had medical conditions, Jeff. Yeah, they couldn't breathe. They have valid religious exemptions. <laughs> so by and large, though, I didn't even before. I was fully vaccinated. I felt okay in there. Now, would I have gone into a crowded restaurant indoors? No. And I still would have qualms about doing that now, eating indoors. I would still prefer to eat outside. So you're fully vaccinated. When you go to your local Sprouts, are you wearing a mask or not? Have you not gotten out at all to where that was a decision for you? Yeah, I you know I went shopping this last Sunday and they had a sign out front still. No, no, no. You wear a mask. Did you wear a mask? Yes. Well, I would, too. I mean, if I was going to the grocery store, I would wear my mask. I've been vaccinated. It's been you know, more than a month now, but I would still wear my mask. But I've been almost like solitary confinement lockdown for over a year now. I mean, Kim's been going back and forth to work uh, five days a week. So she's been stopping and shopping on the way home and on the weekends and stuff like that. And she's getting out more. I've just I've chosen to, to stay at home more. But I can tell you the difference in employer attitudes without naming names Kim's job, as of today, is no longer required to wear a mask if you are fully vaccinated and it's on a full-on honor system. Right. Like everywhere else. And so, like, my job is just exactly the opposite. We were sent home back in March and haven't been back since. And they're just now entertaining the idea of 
possibly bringing people back starting 60 to 90 days from now or so. And if you would like to go back to the office, you have to like volunteer to go back to the office. Uh, there's a form you have to fill out within like the next 30 days. It has to be reviewed and signed off literally by like a vice president of the division or something before you're allowed to go back to the office. It's almost like you got to fight somebody or something. It's, I mean, I don't want to go back to the office, but if I did, it would literally take a concerted effort on my part to work my way through obstacles to get back to the office on a daily basis. You know that statistically, what are, what are we at nationwide for people who have gotten at least one shot? 50%? I think it's just right at 40 is like 39 point something for the second dose fully vaccinated you're talking about. No, no, no. One shot. One shot. Oh, one shot. I'm pretty sure it's close to 50% if it's not already over. Pretty sure it's over 50% for the one shot. Okay. So let's, let's just say an even 50%. There is no way statistically that when you walk into Kroger and there's 100 people there and half of them or more aren't wearing masks, there is no way they are all vaccinated. Nope. But what, so why can't we trust the science? CDC said we could do it. So yes, chances are way high that we're gonna be fully protected. You know, it's not 100%, but even if we encounter somebody that's got the virus and we breathe it in, you know, we may uh, get infected with it, but the uh, antibodies are gonna kick in and clear it to where we won't even know that we had it. We won't have any symptoms. Um, it'll be gone within a day or two, and we won't have enough load to even infect anybody else. That's The odds are, are definitely favoring that that would be the outcome. Let me ask you, is that what happened to Bill Maher last Friday? He had to cancel his show because he tested positive. Did he not know he was sick? Did he show no symptoms, but because they test... At his show, he tested positive and they had to shut it down? Yeah, so uh, so I haven't followed up on that story, but on last night's uh, TWIV Q&A thing, they talked about the uh, the Yankees. Oh, shit. Was that last night? <laughs> Missed it. You did. By the way, we need a ding <laughs> to replace Mainline, and that is TWIV. With TWIV. Ding. All right. Well, it's his new religion. <laughs> he trusts the science. But, yeah, so they talked about the Yankees, and, yes, that would be an example where if you're – if you're going to test people, yes, you're going to, and, you know, especially in areas that are, you know, like Georgia, especially, I, and that's my thing is if we went into a, let's say a Braves game or a Atlanta United game, among other people that are not vaccinated, which is a very high probability here, and then we went out the next day and got tested, yeah, we would more than likely test positive. Will we transmit to anybody else or get sick? 95% chance. It's actually even a, a less chance than that actually it's like last saturday i went to uh, a family get together but like all the adults had been vaccinated so it was like the first thing that i've done since this that wasn't socially distanced i didn't wear a mask and and didn't think about that other than you know the only other get togethers i really had in the last year were the ones that we've had where it was like in a driveway and everybody sat with their spouse and was six feet away from everybody else we wore a mask when we got up and went and go get something but other than that i mean we were spaced away from each other so if the cdc says we can do it why can't we trust the science we can trust the science we're not what do you mean we're not? If you're wearing a mask indoors and you're vaccinated, you're not trusting the science. 
Wait a second. I, I never said I didn't trust the science. I don't necessarily trust the CDC. The CDC has a proven track record of not necessarily saying things that are devoid of politics and based solely on science. Thank you. Thank you. You are now a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so on this point, I mean, they've been kind of hit and miss in the past, been very, you know, kind of reluctant playing politics and all that. But in this particular case, yes, it's very solid science behind. There's, you know, many studies done that support exactly what they're saying. But wait, 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 wait. But you're not doing it. No, well, hang on a second now. And I'm not doing it. Well. I'm not picking on you. But oh, what yeah, yeah. you're doing and what I'm doing and what most of our friends are doing are by definition, not trusting the science. We can twist ourselves in the knots and pretend that, well, it's this and it's that. If the CDC said it, and those are the regulations. It's not a regulation, it's a guideline. Well. Big difference. Sure, but that's the only science you're gonna get. You're only really gonna get advice and guidelines. But the CDC in this country carries a lot of weight. And I agree with both of you that the CDC appears compromised and they've been off and they have kind of lost the trustworthiness maybe a long time ago. Well, the mistake they made in this particular one many is they put that out there. They should have updated the, the guidelines for businesses, schools, and all that. They just left the rest of those kind of places hanging. So it is a case-by-case -case basis. What makes the most sense to me is if you're in an area that has a high vaccination rate and a low transmission rate, then don't have to worry at all. And I'm not worried anyway. It's kind of like because other people don't know if I've been vaccinated or not. And we know that the transmission rate in Georgia, especially Cobb County, is still high and the vaccine rate is still low. If people are all unmasked out there, high probability that you're going to be passing the vaccine around. Not us, but, but others. And they're taking advantage of it. That's my thing, is they're taking advantage of it. Well, it's weird because the mask has almost become like a political statement in itself. Well, it always has been. Used to be, you see somebody in the grocery store, they weren't wearing a mask, you kind of knew which side of the political spectrum they fell on. Now it's not so easy. You see somebody, they're not wearing a mask, have they been vaccinated? Or they just, did they leave the MAGA hat in the truck? You don't know. But when you see somebody now and they're wearing a mask, at least you know they're on the right side of the argument. That they have concern for their fellow citizen. And that's kind of what... Yeah, now you see somebody without a mask and it's like a crapshoot. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just pulled up the numbers here. The people that have had one shot, 48%. And this is national, all, all states total. And then the people that are fully vaccinated is uh, 38%. Of adults. Of adults. And that's... We're talking 18 and over now because, you know, they, they do have figures on 12 and up, but, you know, they just release that. So for Georgia, fully vaccinated is 29.9. So say 30% versus 48% national. So we're... Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. That's Cobb County. Yeah, but you're not comparing apples to apples. You said the fully vaccinated in Georgia is roughly 30%. Well, that's 40% nationally, not 50%. 50% was just the one shot. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Georgia is roughly 10% behind the national average for fully vaccinated adults. It shouldn't matter, Don. It shouldn't matter because the science said it's okay and we're not doing it. Uh, uh, you get frustrated, but this is the kind of crap 
that the right mocks us for. This is exactly a perfect example because we've been bitching about it rightfully for more than a year. And now the CDC comes out with guidance. Believe me, I am that guy. I'll just speak for myself. But the CDC comes out with it and it's like, I don't like this rule. And when they mock us about not trusting the science, unfortunately, they have a point. Now, it's not obviously that simple. And you're not going to win an argument on social media by trying to inject some nuance and try to explain when you're going to go maskless and when you're not. But I absolutely do not trust the honor system walking in someplace that everybody unmasked is vaccinated. You just established with the numbers, that's a pile of crap. All right, let me paint an analogy for you. Tomorrow, every car gets recalled for a new airbag that is 99.9% effective, even in horrific car accidents. Are you still going to wear your seatbelt? Well, yeah, airbags aren't going to keep you from going under the dashboard, so... The analogy is not that deep, Jeff. There's no need to dig. (laughs) In this case, you didn't go for a year saying that we should trust the science. And then the science came and we're like, hey, not so fast. Because I think in a lot of ways, the science was politicized. And the science doesn't seem really sound based on the honor system. Yeah, my big issue is I just don't trust the honor system. I don't either. I know the people involved in the honor system, and I absolutely do not trust them. I absolutely don't. Okay, but let's say Walmart, because I think Walmart has dropped the requirement. So if you went shopping at Walmart, would you go in without a mask? I would at a Walmart. You would go into a Walmart without a mask? Well, I mean, I don't shop at Walmart, but if I did and they had the sign down, yeah, I would. I would go in there. What's the difference between that and Kroger? Because Kroger has a sign out that says mass required. So I'm honoring that rule. I mean, because they they understand. Oh, you're just a sheep. No. (laughs) No, I mean, actually, I think Kroger is doing the smart thing because if not all of their employees have been vaccinated, it'd be kind of curious to find out what percent are. I can tell you 30%. In Georgia, roughly. 40% 40% nationwide. Until you get demographic information, right, right. it's 30%. Yeah, because you figure it's got to kind of reflect the, the county at large or whatever, the state yeah. at large. Well, it's like this. If you're in the state of Georgia, look to the right of you, look to the left of you. Both of those people aren't vaccinated. You are. There you go. That'd, that'd be the right number. Yeah. So, like I say, to me, that makes sense that, that they are still doing that until we get down to... And we're never going to, we talked about this before, we're never going to get to herd immunity. But you'll get to the point where you're not transmitting, so the transmission rate will drop to where it's not as huge an issue anymore. So fewer and fewer people will be carrying the virus. So that's the goal. That's what we should be working for. But in order to get there, you're going to have to get vaccinated. And we're not, we're not seeing a big, well, in fact, I looked at the numbers too, is as soon as the CDC, it was on the 13th that they made that announcement. If you look at, in Georgia, I was looking at the numbers, all of a sudden it just dropped off. The vaccine rate just dropped off. So it's like, you know, I think they thought that was going to be an incentive. So, hey, if you aren't, you're not vaccinated and you want to not be wearing a mask and you want to do all these fun things, get vaccinated. Well, it had the opposite effect, according to the 
the graph. Do you think they were that Pollyanna about it and thought that if they did that, that this would change mm-hmm. their mind? I, 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 I have a hard time believing that. I think they'll just continue to go to Walmart without a mask like they have been the entire time. Not care about the vaccination. Well, I'm saying that that's the part that I see. Who's the CDC head? I can't remember her name now. Dr. Science. Dr. Science. Well, uh, so I see her as not just speaking from a basis of science because that's a politically, uh, that's a political position. So there's going to be some politics. You need to kind of go along with what the White House wants. The White House wants to get to 70% by July 4th. So they want to use any and all tools, I think, to help do that. Hmm. I think I would feel a little more comfortable trusting the CDC if they would have shown a little more backbone last year through this whole COVID crisis towards the Trump administration that was just blatantly anti-science. Well, but you're saying they. uh, She's the only political appointee. Everybody else there is supposedly scientists. But now um, there's a book out now. Jerry, you were talking about it. Um, There's always a book. Premonition. Your Bogart and my recommendations. Oops. But anyway, so, and I've kind of heard those stories before, too, is, yeah, I mean, the CDC has kind of a uh, clouded history. So, yeah, I mean, there's there there should be some skepticism, healthy skepticism on things that come out of there. But in the case of this mask thing, to me, it, it gave me, and I had kind of figured this out listening to Twiv. Ding! That we were going to be extremely safe with the vaccine, but it was kind of nice to get validation from other sources on that. So at least when we go out amongst the uh, the unvaccinated, the unwashed, that we can feel pretty safe that we're not going to catch it. We don't have to freak out. We don't have yeah, to. Yeah, but we but we're still wearing masks, and but, but I don't believe I don't believe for a second that a sign is going to influence anybody. I would rather the CDC drop the charade and just say pretty much go anywhere because you're vaccinated because they left this giant area for subjectivity and a sign at the door that says don't you know wear a mask unless you're vaccinated or no sign at all what's the difference there is no difference at all it would be nice to get public health information without any political influence. But by the nature of public health information, you're not going to get that. But it does feel that the CDC is not one that I trust. And you guys sound like you're, this, you're in the same way. And, and, but they are, whether we like it or not, they are the science. And mm. when we go against it, for, the, for in my case... I just, again, speaking for myself, for reasons that I believe to be true, they're mocking us, and unfortunately, they have a point. And by the way, we don't like to hear when the right-wing trolls or the right-wing or the GOP or any of those often horrible people have a point about us because we don't want to admit it. And we'll twist ourselves into knots trying to convince ourselves and the rest of the world that they're wrong as opposed to going okay maybe they have a point because we don't want to admit it so i have a couple of mixed mixed feelings about this i'm, I'm coming fast to a point you know because especially when i saw the graphic where 
after the announcement was made where vaccine rates have dropped uh, dropped off. So it's like I have less and less sympathy for people at this point who haven't gotten the vaccine. I mean, it's so readily available now. Places are begging you to come in. No appointments necessary, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm getting to the point where it's like, so if you want to get vaccinated, basically, fuck you. Get COVID, get sick, possibly die. That's on you. I'm good. I got my vaccine. Fairly good chance I'm not going to have any kind of issue with it. And In fact, there was a stat I heard that was like 99% of the people in the hospital for COVID now are unvaccinated. So Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Heck of a stat. It, it, it is. I, I didn't realize it was going to be that high, but yeah. I mean, so that tells me also that the vaccine's working. You're not getting people that have been vaccinated that sick where they have to be in the hospital. But the other side of me makes me a little bit um, nervous is the more chance the virus has to spread around, you know, the more variants can mutate. Totally. And, and so, you know, our vaccine is protecting us now from all the variants out there. Even the Indian one. And by the way, you have been variant skeptical for a long time. This is the first time I think I've ever heard you express any concern over variants and attach it to vaccinations not being able to handle them. And by the way, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And I think it is borderline immoral for people in a country like this that has access to so many amazing things that we take for granted. And this is one of them. And around the world, there are still way too many people getting sick and dying from this. And we, as a society, are still thumbing our nose at vaccinations. And we have created this whole new generation of anti-vaxxers for whatever cockamamie reason. But it does feel, and you would know more data, that the vaccine could be less of an answer if this virus is allowed to continue by people who willfully won't get vaccinated. Right. That puts us in danger potentially again down the road. Right. And that's a concern. I mean, the other the other concern of mine is the U.S. has a very poor record of, uh, I forget the, the official term, but in other words, categorizing to see what variants are out there. Other countries do a much better job, like the UK does a much better job of finding out what's spreading, what new ones are emerging, that kind of thing. You know, we do a pretty shitty job of that. Well, the other thing is so many people here, if they're anti-vax and they don't believe the, the virus is deadly, they're not going to get tested anyway. So we may not know what all variants are out there. But no, I mean, that's down the road. That's a very good possibility. And I, and I know that Pfizer and the other ones are trying to do their best to look at all the variants that come out and make sure they are testing, you know, best they can to see if anything needs to be tweaked. And, you know, we'd be in the fortunate position also is when a, if a new version comes out and it may be once a year, we need to get a booster with a different variant protection. That'll, that'll be that. So you don't agree or you don't want to talk about the fact that we're not walking the walk. Do you agree with that or not? Just curious. Well, no. So I thought I said that, you know, what I was trying to get across is that I will definitely walk to walk in places that allow me to walk to walk. Um, good example also, this this was this last weekend, we went to some breweries. No. Yeah, I know. <laughs> get out of here. But, you know, if the people behind the bar are masks out of respect for them. You wear yours? I would put my mask on. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just kind of a, a social 
and say, now give me all the cash in the till. <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of mask. But I mean, it's kind of a, a social reciprocity kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. You should be in politics because that was a non-answer. What do you mean? That's a good non-answer. But it was yeah. a non-answer. But didn't you do the same thing, though? I did, and I do. But I also think that we are being maybe a little more, uh, maybe more than a little hypocritical in doing it. Now, like I said before, we, we all work from home. But of the three of us, I probably venture out the least. So in my particular situation, just due to the fact I haven't had a lot of interaction with people over the last year, being masked or not, I'll probably wear a mask in social situations for a little longer than than most. You're saying even if everybody, 100% of the people in... Oh, no, no. You mean like if we ever got to herd immunity or, or, or close to it? No. What I'm talking about is like in your office. I mean, that's the next thing that I think people are going to discuss is be like vaccine passports or whatever. So in other words, if you show your card and everybody in your office shows their card and they're all vaccinated, wouldn't you? I would feel perfectly fine. Oh, no, no. I'd, I'd feel perfectly fine going back into the office in that type of situation. But a situation like my wife's where it's strictly on the honor system, I would not want to go back to work in, in that type of a situation at all. Right, right, right. Well, do you guys see that passports are going to be kind of a thing coming up? Because I think, isn't Europe... Didn't they just say that you can come over if you show that you're vaccinated? So there's going to be some kind of a proof needed. By the way, again, I think vaccine passports should be a thing. I am fine with having to show vaccination record to travel outside the United States or whatever. But that's easy for me to say because I'm vaccinated. So now to get a false ID, and since I have college age children, I know more about this. What? Than I did back in the day when I needed one. They're done in China, by the way. To do that, though, takes a lot of technology now because there's all kinds of things that are kind of baked in to an average driver's license now. They're way more difficult to fake. Right, right. A vaccine card has got to be the freaking easiest thing in the world to copy. It's like a hall pass from high school. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the size of a business card and a half, in scribble, untrackable, and they're not, there's no database that they go to you, and as you're passing through the, the concourse of Hartsfield on your way to Europe, they scan your ticket, or they look at your vaccine card. They're the easiest thing in the world to fake. If I wanted to scam the system and get free blimpy subs, I would have to create a mechanism that would punch a certain size and shape hole through a piece of paper. I mean, this is just a thick stock piece of paper with some scribbling on it. It's true. It had to look like a bee. <laughs> I can spend less than three bucks at Office Max and start mass producing these vaccine cards. Right. Hmm. Never Put thought some of numbers that, on it. Just hmm. pick two random, two random days, 28 days apart, and then scribble. <laughs> Your vaccine card has less ways of stopping forgery than the blimpy free sub program does. <laughs> well, <laughs> by, by 11, get the 12th free. I don't think by the passport they're talking about just putting your vaccine card in a lanyard and off you go. I, I think it's going to have to be a little bit more high tech than that. I, I, I agree. There could uh -uh. be all kinds of... Uh-uh. They didn't even have the forethought to think we should make this a size that can be laminated and easily fit in your wallet. No way. 
your card is it. No, it's not. No, it's not. What is it? What? We're we're in a database somewhere. You know the numbers that ah. I that I that I showed how many people in Georgia so, are vaccinated. We're in there. So you've heard of HIPAA? Anything like that is going to have immediate legal challenges. Immediate. It may be in a database, but it's not a database that Delta Airlines gets to access. Right. Right. Yeah, cops aren't going to be able to access that database like your insurance. <laughs> exactly. And that and that for sure is not happening. Probably ever. So you've got this bullshit, easily replicated card. And it's interesting that both of you guys just like like went for your beer. Like after like after that conversation, well, that conversation sucks. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> I need some hard liquor now. But it's true. I thought, selfishly, hey, I'm vaccinated. When the cheap flights come back, it's only going to be vaccinated people. And then it's like, oh, that's the easiest thing in the world to freaking fake. So that's going to be friggin' useless. Mm. Oh, you know what? Wait, sorry. My turn to sip. <laughs> Whose idea was it to talk about this anyway? <laughs> I don't know. I think it was all of our fault. Okay. So. It's an issue. I mean, you know, I would like to be able to go to concerts again, go to games again and feel. Maskless, you mean. Well, not not scrutinized. Yeah. And, and then not not scrutinized, categorized, all that kind of stuff. You know, it was like, oh, so is he really vaccinated or is he? Right. So really, when we talk about the end of the pandemic, in my head, the end of the pandemic, and this is blue skies I get, was definitive. There would be a much more robust payoff in the end. This has been a shitty payoff. It's not definitive. And it feels like we've just entered a different stage of the pandemic where we're just potentially not really going to talk about it like it's a pandemic anymore. I mean, we're not we're not tamping out the virus. So you were looking for like a line of demarcation, like a specific day that the pandemic was over. Like you were wanting Life magazine photos of sailors kissing women in the streets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> VC day. Yeah. I, but I, I, I totally agree with you. And I never thought it was going to be snap your fingers and it's over because soldiers and sailors still died after the war was over. There's still a lot, th- a lot of things that go on that, that combatants still die, but it's not been definitive kind of at all. And it feels like it's being treated as definitive, more definitive than it is. That's my disconnect. It's almost like they're saying enough people are already behaving this way. We might as well just normalize it. Exactly. And then concoct a story about it, about how it's okay. That's not concocting a story, though. I mean, it is okay for those that have been vaccinated. It's perfectly okay. Those that have not been vaccinated, no, you're pretty much screwed if you try to uh, play the system. I have a hard time, though, when you say it's okay, but you're still going to wear a mask. No, I was very clear on my conditions on that. If He's licking handrails down at the bus station. <laughs> no, I don't know if I'd go that far. You know, I, I, I didn't mind not having the flu or a cold, so I'm still not going to, you know, like the handshake thing. I don't know if I'm going to go back to... Do you think we'll ever go back to shaking hands? Oh, I'm sure some people will. Or do you think it's gone the way of the woolly mammoth? Possibly. Yeah. I think we've proven the fist bump or the elbow bump is more than sufficient. I always was kind of, especially... People that come out of the bathroom and you don't know if they wash their hands or not. 
And you know the percentage of people that don't wash their hands. And nobody going to ever say the godless heathens don't tackle the tough issues of our That's time. That's right. But I have sanitizer in my car. So, you know. Okay. I see this too often on our side. And I don't like it. And when James Carville got ripped when he said the Democrats have a wokeness problem, it kind of totally nailed that shut for me. Because I agree with them. And masking when you're given permission not to is kind of a wokeness kind of issue too, or is that a different? It's, we it can't say, is. we can't say, is. trust the science. It, it, I guess it is. It may not be in the right neighborhood, but it's definitely in the right zip code. And, and when I say the, the wokeness problem, most of my concern is about winning elections. And you know, when Carville says it, that's all That's he thinks just, about. Right, right. And he got ripped for saying it. And we lost seats in the House where the redistricting is probably not going to help us. The census and, didn't help us. Right. Right. And the party in power normally loses seats in the midterm. That's just normal. But the party in power lost seats in the House when we won. Now, we pulled out a couple of really good upsets here. Like Homer in the bottom of the ninth upsets. No question. But the we own the Senate thing has been mm. like November 3rd, 2016. We're going to watch Hillary take it home. Like yeah. the, to me, the disappointment in that, nothing will probably reach that. But this was a gradual close to realize we won the Senate and it doesn't mean as much as we hoped it would mean. Yeah, we don't own the Senate. We're negotiating a contract for it at best. Against ourselves. Right, because we have some people in there that want to reach across the aisle to... Uh... No, that's what they say, Jeff. Uh, you really you really believe that that's what they think? What, because like... they're the most important senators in the Senate, and they enjoy that. So it's an ego they... thing more than... Oh, you can't be in a Senate without an ego. As it currently stands, Joe Biden is the second most powerful Joe in Washington, D.C. That is unfortunately true. Or at least with political influence, yeah. Because one guy from West Virginia is holding us all hostage. I thought the theory used to be if you're a congressperson, you're kind of watching out for your own state's well-being. But if you're in the Senate, that plus the national landscape. So it's not just about you and your state. It's about the well-being of the whole country. Hmm. I think that that is a glass half full way of... Well, with half of them, it's not about governance. It's about obstruction. These days. Right. Yeah. We're talking days. now versus how it used to be back in the good old days. I think we can possibly woke our way out of power because I think the woke accusations, simply because of the volume of them, eventually stick with people who are prone to hear that message, that it sticks. And the other part of that is there is a thread of truth in the accusations. Even though they're done in 100% bad faith, one of the reasons why it is so powerful is because there is some truth to it. And the level of truth depends on where you're coming at it, from zero to 100, you know? Like, when they make the woke accusations just to reflexively say no because of the source doesn't help us with anybody who's potentially on the fence. Because the reason why they're on the fence is because they see some of the things that they're talking about and they can't mention it. Well, but give me an example 
of like what Carvel was talking about. So we can kind of defund the police was a great one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know that that was the first really big one. But the problem with the Democrats has always been your favorite topic, Jerry, messaging. They've always had messaging issues where no matter how good the idea is, they're sure to put a horrible a name or hashtag beside it. But we also have an agreement problem. And we've even expressed frustration with trying to keep up with the language and designations of people and groups. And if you make a mistake, even an honest mistake, depending on who you're talking to, you, you're made to feel awful for that mistake. That vibe extended across wide groups eventually, and it seems like the numbers at least, kind of disenfranchise people. And to what end? Like literally to, to what end? And maybe, it, maybe it's my privilege speaking, but I understand the frustration because again, and we've talked about this, I want to be an ally and I don't always know how and I don't always feel welcome to be one unless I follow a very long list of rules that I don't always know what the answers are. And the rules seem to be changing and somewhat subjective. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Right. Part of the problem because is we that. don't have a central disbursement of the rules and the language. The Republican Party seems to have... The ability and willingness to goose step in unison? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, they have all <laughs> these... These days. But they have all these different, you know, think tanks and, you know, things like that. But they're interconnected. Yeah, they're all on board and they're all on message. Right, yeah. They all talk to one another and say, this is what we're going to message out there. Meanwhile, we're too busy infighting because anybody who's two steps to the right of me on any issue is a Nazi and must be purged. That's their complaint. That's their complaint is... Anytime that word is used absolutely too frequently and kind of too cavalierly. If nobody's accused anybody of being a Nazi by the fifth comment on a post, you're doing it wrong. Right. But the people and groups that are often complaining are complaining because they have a point and they haven't been listened to and they have been marginalized and they're not going to shut up about it now. And that is a good thing. But when... There is only so much power, and when power is taken, other people lose power. And it doesn't matter who you are, when, when power is taken away from you, even if it was historical and not earned and ill-gotten, there's still a perception that it's being taken from you and... In their minds, unrightfully. In their, and, well, it's, when is power taken from you ever rightfully? And, and by the way, you're supposed to be okay with it. And if you complain about it, then you're, you are definitely the enemy then. And, I, and by the way, after this, I, 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 I'm going to just say it to you two guys. Oh, don't worry. Nobody else is listening. I don't have a solution for this. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. But we don't, doesn't feel like anyway that we talk about it because it's very difficult to have conversations, as discussed on previous Godless Heathens episodes. You know, we need to have a conversation right, with that. Right, yeah, we keep saying that, yeah. Right, yeah. But, you, but you can't. We don't have the tools it, to do that. If only we had a platform. You think that's it? Well, okay. So <laughs> no, I'm I serious. Make, yeah, I mean, 
So if you look at the other side, I mean, they have all kinds of radio talk shows, podcasts that kind of work with one another. But honestly, though, they're all saying the same thing. They're all yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. Which, they, they, which are, is, they are unified in that. Right. We are, so they we have some kind of connective tissue that does that. We ignore our connective tissue too often, though. To me, we don't always look at the big picture, and there's a lot of connective tissue, but where it's not connected, and I'll pose it as a question, do we overemphasize it and demand that you agree with me on that too? And if not, because I can, I understand where they're coming from. I don't always agree with it, but I understand that they feel like they're not listened to or they're diminished. And I'm not talking about the TikTok and Twitter racists or the Karens or the obvious people that our side memes into the bad other side. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people that if you weren't talking about these things, you know, they're your neighbors, they're your coworkers, they're people that that hide things in the way that you hide things because you are concerned about what somebody else is going to think about you. The other uh, complexity that we have is we are a very diverse and inclusive party. Diverse. Inclusive? Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the... Or, the... or define inclusive. Well, I'm saying we're trying to be as inclusive, and that's what gets us into trouble, that we try to be, you know, we try to walk on... Eggshells. Thin, thin eyes or eggshells. That's, that's what I was looking for. We don't exclude a community or a group or whatever. On the other side of that, the Republicans predominantly white Christian nationalists. So it's very easy for that group to be cohesive because they, they're not reaching out to a wide... And, you know, they, they talked about that in the years past about how do we broaden our tent? You know, how do we include the Hispanics? And, you know, all this... How do we get the, uh, uh, you know, black people um, to be involved in our party? Well, they've kind of gone away with that and just focused on, on the white Christian nationalists. And, and so, they got a good bit of Latino vote when they did it. One of the things that Jeff was alluding to earlier is that people on the right seem to have a group mentality, or that's how they define themselves as what group are they a member of, where people on this side of the coin tend to have more of an individualistic type of uh, attitude and not necessarily want to be defined by a, a, a group identity. It's like if you ask somebody on the right to describe themselves, they're going to give you a term like evangelical Christian. God-fearing patriot. Right. And both those terms are easily definable and everybody knows what they mean. But ask somebody on the left to define themselves and they're going to give you 15 adjectives and you don't know what half of them fucking mean. Right. That's fine. But in the end, selfishly speaking, I want to win elections. I want more Democrats in power. Period. Well, I guess the point I'm trying to make is that smaller groups of people can be more effective during election cycles if they're more willing to become members of a group. On top of that is all of the divisions and demands of being a Democrat are on the left. I don't care about them if it makes us lose elections and power. And I fear that we are going too far in the other direction, whether it's perception or reality. Because in politics, 
Perception is reality. Are we shooting ourselves in the foot with too many demands to be inclusive? Let, let me toss this out there. Since the name of our podcast is The Godless Heathens, um, are we willing as atheists, humanists, to give up that distinction for the greater good of the Democratic Party? In other words, can we just suppress our identities and put that, you know... Don't you already? I do. Well, does. Uh, well, I mean, you know, that's been kind of the conversation is, you know, we, we see ourselves as a growing group of power. We like to think that. I, right. Exactly. I like to think that. We don't hold the entire party hostage like the Tea Party did. Nope. And that's what all these different groups are trying to do is take advantage that, hey, we're a, we're a voting block. Respect us. But you know what? It's not a voting block. It's address me by the right pronouns. And if you're not in agreement with me almost all the time, you're not an ally. And I thought I'd get through the show without mentioning the birthing people episode. But if you do a Twitter search for birthing people, you'll get a cornucopia of responses. Yeah. So kind of unpack that. That was how far is too politically correct, Jeff? And have we gone there? Our listeners will tell us. But I mean, so to kind of give some background to that, that was based on a law that was passed? No, nope. it was something that they want to get passed. Okay. I thought they passed something that was going to expand something to, um, uh, I'm going to step on it here, uh, mothers, pe- people giving birth, birthing people. Yeah, and somebody used that term, birthing people, and that's literally all it took to get the entire right-wing outrage machine running at full capacity. Yeah, but but what I'm asking is is what was this all stemmed from? Wasn't it a bill they were trying to pass? If it's a bill you're trying to pass, why in the world would the only thing people remember be yeah. birthing people? How in the world does that help your cause in the end? All it did was light up the right, and then what coverage it did get in any mainstream media was just about the term. It's almost like there was nothing there, and then this created like a crevice, like a something that the right could get a handhold of and hijack the narrative. What's your goal? Is your goal to get this passed? If your goal is to get it passed, you've shot yourself in the foot. I, and I don't even care about the language per se. It seems kind of ridiculous to me. The language part doesn't offend me as much as the practicality of how does this help you? It doesn't help because it's been more than a week since this broke. And I honestly couldn't tell you what the legislation is about. Okay, I pulled it. Other than it included this term. No, it didn't. Well, at this point, whether it did or not doesn't matter because that's all that anybody remembers about it because they successfully hijacked the narrative. Jeff, I want you to to say what the legislation was about. And you're right. It didn't say it in the legislation. She did it in the introduction of it, though, in a tweet making the announcement. So instead of talking about the legislation, the only thing that was talked about was birthing people to the point when you do a search, Snopes saying the Democrats didn't want to rename Mother's Day, you know, birthing people's day. That if that if you've if you have already right, right, yeah. got SEO on Google that Snopes has to to go in and debunk, you have lost the plot. So this is the announcement. Ahead of Mother's Day, US Senator Cory Booker and Congresswoman 
Enya Presley, today announced plans to reintroduce their far-reaching bill to improve maternal health outcomes, reverse the trend of rising maternal mortality rates and close disparities that put black, indigenous, and people of color communities and their kids at risk. The maximizing outcomes for moms through medical improvement and enhancement of services, mommies, and it goes on to explain what, 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 what that does. So it was called the Mommies Act. So that's that was... And so it just went out the rails from there. You know, to me, the verbiage they use in there, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Well, wrong with what? Calling it the, you know, the, the Mommies Act, number one, and then saying it's to maximize outcomes for moms. So I guess I, I will not couch my language anymore. So it feels like the tweet in the introduction was written to be inclusive and make sure no one gets offended and everybody feels included. And the result of that was derisiveness fully from the right and some semblance of silent grumbling from the left. That sounds like you've got the same percentage of people who are vaccinated now in Georgia and you're not going to pass any laws. You're not going to win as many elections. That doesn't mean it shouldn't be a big tent, but we are seeing the trouble of managing the big tent and it's not doesn't feel anyway that it is helping us in the big picture and i'm worried that we inclusive ourselves out of power honestly i don't feel real good saying it because it sounds because first of all because of who i am is going to get picked on you're a middle-aged white guy you don't know and i am a middle-aged white guy whether i don't know or not kind of depends on the issue And I am not insensitive to making sure that everybody is listened to. But in the end, the political party's goal is to win. And and these days, we really need to win. Because the other side, once they get power, they're already not playing fair. And if they win, they're going to have power to not play fair. And that's going to be really bad for us and the country. You talked earlier in the pod about not being able to sleep. It's stuff like that that I lose sleep over because the stakes feel higher. And to and reading the article today, on the day of taping at least, that there were even discussions of bringing that paranoid shit show of a recount that's happening in Arizona here. Here, right. Here. And by the way, like setting up a template for future elections everywhere, everywhere. And if there's one thing that we could kind of sort of count on, all the voting suppression, historical voting suppression aside, elections, at least the counting of votes that we know of, was pretty sacrosanct. I think that's a religious term. (laughs) And now it's all up for grabs with the side that does not have a problem flexing their muscles in any way they can, any way they can get away with in order to retain power. And we're arguing over birthing people. Well, and it goes back to messaging. I mean, that's the point of these rehashing of the votes and all that kind of stuff. They know that it's is futile. They're only putting out a message about, oh, there might have been an issue here. There might have been an issue here. And so that's going to be implanted in people's heads is that that continued question about security of the vote. So they, you know, they know they're not going to change the outcome, but that's their messaging going forward. 
So I will take it one maybe more level paranoid. Yeah, I don't think it's really paranoid, but it's a test run. <laughs> well, it's the Raptor touching the electric fence. And mm-hmm. what didn't work in Arizona, we're going to refine that. Or I never thought about doing that before. We're going to do that. We're setting up a template. And because it's a state election, a lot more attention on it. When it's a local election, not going to be media coverage and 24-7 cameras, reams of state officials. And it does feel like they're setting it up to do this everywhere. And if that's the case, and if that's what they are willing and ready to do, then the vote itself, once, once it is not seen as fair and legitimate, you're heading off into third world shaky democracy territory. I never, ever thought I would think in my lifetime that we would get there. And we slowly get there every election. And are we the frogs? The water's getting a little warm. That's comfortable, though. It's kind of like a hot tub. But the interesting thing about bringing this potentially to Georgia, whether it's going to actually work or not, is another story. Because Georgia did pass a law that would take away the power from the Secretary of State. Absolutely. But I mean, that that's the thing that's kind of frightening to me is, is so we are thus far, I know it's going to be challenged in court and all that, but you know, where that's going to happen, nobody knows. But the way it's set up right now in our Georgia laws is if anybody questions or thinks there's a there's an issue with the vote, it can be overturned. Well, but it's not if anybody thinks it's in question. It's if somebody else wins, it's right. automatically in question. Right, right. For there sure. is no such thing as a legitimate election that my opponents win. If we can't rig the process, then after it is beyond bullshit, but yet another one of those things that we have come to accept that the big lie is still in people who have perpetuated it, but they don't perpetuate it as much on Meet the Press, but they do on Fox oh, for and sure. they do on OAN, you know, to their their fundraisers. They do in the halls of Congress. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We saw the vote on the uh, you know, insurrection. Yeah, we had the guy from Georgia saying that the insurrection looked like a normal day of tourist. It was a tourist. Just taking in the sights, checking out the Capitol. Because I remember watching the footage of the insurrection live on TV, and it reminded me of my high school trip to the Capitol. The one thing that hasn't seemed to stick is martyring Ashley Babbitt. And they still try... Oh, they try hard. ...that she was killed by the brutal leftist police state. But that one hasn't honestly stuck, probably because the video is pretty damning. Oh, no, that was faked. It was a faked video. Those were Antifa actors. I'm not worried as much about the people who are obviously crazy that would say that it's faked, but it's the people that aren't Liz Cheney and won't say, this is a lie and you need to STFU about it. But they're not. Because the Dems aren't holding them accountable. Like, what do you think is going to come of this commission? Nothing. Nothing. It's not going to happen. Because we had the filibuster in Senate. For all kinds of reasons. But Nancy Pelosi certainly isn't. And, and this is why you know it's a loser. Because she's not fight, she is not pushing for it. She only pushes for things she knows she can win. She knows she can't win that, which is why she's not doing it. And a lot of us hate her for it. And I don't like it. I hate it too. But if you know Nancy Pelosi, she only backs known winners. And if she thinks 
it's not going to win. She is not going to support it. Now, that is a telling indictment of the country and Congress. And maybe, Jeff, that's why this whole wokeness thing gets to me, because the stakes are bigger than us squabbling over stuff like that. And the underrepresented and the oppressed can easily say, easy for you to say, white man, a beneficiary of the so-called meritocracy. And I get it, but we are all going to be far worse off if we don't win, and not just win, but win more convincingly. How do we do that? I don't think we do that by birthing people. But if it's not going to get you to the finish line, then why are you doing it now? We should be a big tent, but a bigger tent, not just a bunch of little tents in the same campground that can't get anything done. And maybe that's too simplistic. And again, I'll acknowledge my privilege. But damn, if we lose in 2022 and... 2024 vote, vote, uh, presidential vote happens. Democrat wins, but it's close. You think it gets to the Electoral College? Who knows? Have we ever had to think about that before? All right, nope. Right. Even thinking about the possibility and having to set odds less than one in a million is a sign that things have slipped and changed. Those things concern me. Just the fact that... N- what, almost 90% of the uh, Republicans in Congress voted to disregard the, uh, you know, the committee on the in- studying the insurrection. That tells me that what happened was acceptable. No, it just proves it to you. Right. You've always thought it. You always knew it. Right. But they're on record for there. We don't even have to think about it anymore. Right. They're on record. We have names. We have names. But they're right. going to say it's not because we don't think it's it was serious. It's because we think the process is going to be politicized. And that's why I say we should have 15 to 16 hour a day Benghazi style hearings on this and try this in the court of public opinion and force them to vote on it. You you don't know Nancy Pelosi, do you? Yeah, I know. (laughs) But if it was on TV all day and if enough people saw it, you don't think... You're going to have the spin. The Fox News and all those places are going to spin it. Right. And... The other thing is, if you well, if you could tell me that that would work, because any time you spend on that, you're not spending putting checks in people's pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel you. You're not. And yeah, you're not working on anything. No, nobody other than the people who are already paid to opine will get a job from having a. It's like a stage show. I mean, basically, you're just you're putting on a show for your base. Like a dog and pony show. Yeah. And by the way, Republicans do that all the time. That's all they do. That's literally all they do. They're very good at it. I'm not sure our side gets as fired up about it or for as long. That's because we don't have the connective tissue. A little bit of a downer. <laughs> Wait. Little... How are we doing on the ledge, guys? I, I My new chair came in. Uh, I got a... Uh, I got a power strip, so... They got a construction crew coming in this week. Uh, we're going to do a little survey and put some stakes in the ground. We got a deck going in. That's going to be great. Oh, geez. I was just I just brought in a tent. You're doing a deck? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. I got plans for a power awning and a little tiki bar, maybe a Traeger grill. <laughs> 
<laughs> if we're going to be out on ledge, we're, we're going to be comfy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen the world's first fire pit on the ledge? Well, you're about to. <laughs> Who, who's got a recommendation? A chipper one. Don usually does. Yeah, I got one. I mentioned it at the beginning. I'll mention it again here. We recently had a chance to go back on as guest on the Zachrilege cast with Zach Law. So check out Zachrilege cast. Have an IPA and listen to Yeah, grab me an IPA and check out Zachrilege. He really has some interesting guests on. And then other weeks, he has people like us on. Jeff, what are you? what do you uh, <laughs> recommend? <laughs> I just started on the book that you're going to recommend, so I won't take that one away. So I'm finished. Do it. I'll, I will segue to it. No, no. I'm going to, so I'm going to, because I just like did the intro pages. So I'm reading the other book that I'm trying to finish up on is called Racial Realignment, the Transformation of American Liberalism, 1932 to 1965. So it's kind of a history of the transition. Is that, fi- is that, is that a fiction of, book, like a Daniel Steele or? Is this a story of a young girl coming of age during the Depression? No. It sounds like a beach read. No, but what's kind of interesting about it, kind of tying into our discussion tonight, is we always think of FDR being a super liberal with the New Deal and all that. Well, he wasn't so much about civil rights back in the day, but you can see that was a shifting landscape. Well, the other book that Jeff is reading, <laughs> if you are, are about to read, so when a book is aimed at my demographic... The guest is on more than one podcast that I have subscribed yeah. to. Yep. Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball and Liar's Poker and The Big Short, I mean, prolific, wrote a book. It's called The Premonition, A Pandemic Story. He talks about the CDC and public health and the cratering of public opinion. He always has like heroic characters and this is apparently at least from the two podcasts i listened to which was the ezra klein show and the chris hayes podcast because as a privileged uh white guy i listen to podcasts of other privileged white guys <laughs> and enjoy them well you have to get your marching orders i'm saluting my people but <laughs> they're, they're actually two very different interviews yes yep one was definitely more critical. Ezra Klein, definitely, yeah. It definitely. I, I'd listen, probably listen to the Chris Hayes one first and then the Ezra Klein one because he is a good interview. His books are always are well-written and entertaining, even if it's about the pandemic. Let me ask you, Jerry. So, I mean, what I was kind of unclear, even after listening to both interviews, and like I said, I just cracked the book. He talks characters, but are these real-life people? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so why does why does he call them characters? That's kind of an unusual term to use because it sounds fictional. Uh, maybe he's thinking about optioning the book into a movie deal like he has his last few. Well, like in the Moneyball, the character was Billy Bean, the GM. Yeah, same thing with the Christian Bale character from The Big Short. Big time. Yeah, so I've not read anything by his, so I didn't know that that's what is. Yeah, same thing with the Christian Bale character from The Big Short. Okay, okay. I've read a bunch, and I've seen the movies too. Makes me wonder who has optioned this book for the movie rights already, and who's linked to the lead. This one is going to be obviously a little more maybe dry because it's about public health. But it's a big story about public health and the politic, politi- I can't say it, and I'm not even going to try. Politization. Oh, thank you, of the CDC, which started or cranked into high gear under who? Ronald Reagan. Yep. So if you don't like Ronald Reagan, there's another reason to hate him. Yep. But you know what? There's history in there, and there are kind of, in this case especially, heroic public servants, a position that has been eroding 
for pretty much all of our adult lifetime. I had to explain to my kid why I think the post office is cool. And cool? Yeah, like a like a like a public asset to be cherished. You oh, know that you spend I don't even know what a price of a stamp is now. Fifty something cents. Fifty one cents. Yeah. yeah, and I, you, I don't, you know, where you are, somebody is going to take it from that box, and it's going to move to literally anywhere in the nation for fifty yep. Alaska. freaking cents, and yep. they get middle class wages. And I'm all for people getting at least middle class wages. And he didn't understand, or we had a conversation about. Why DeJoy, who is a crook and should be in jail, was gutting the post office was in part for the private sector to gouge it and make money off of it. And he was shocked. Well, and which goes back to the Reagan administration, too. That's when they wanted to privatize the post office, going back that far. Yeah, that's why he loved Maggie Thatcher so much. Let me ask you this. Honestly, do we need six-day-a-week delivery to every address in America? Well, you know, probably not. I mean, I've honestly felt for a while that Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'd be fine with either one of those. Maybe. But if you're a senior citizen that wants your drugs delivered, um, you know, yeah. Are you seriously telling me that 24 hours is going to make that big of a difference in a senior citizen and them getting their drugs? Just because you don't need it five days a week, what about people that do? I'm just asking if it's possible to run the post office on like an odd even day system. No. 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 And not for 330 million Americans. But what if we had it? What if we had an option to where every year you could go to USPS.gov and opt out of Tuesday, Thursday delivery? Yeah, you know what? I'd do that. Absolutely. If it would help alleviate some of the strain on the system, I would absolutely do that. And I'm sure a lot of other people would too. Right. That's actually a policy that needs to be thought out and analyzed. And for that, I blame both parties, but I mostly blame Republicans. Big surprise. But I mean, yeah, UPS and FedEx deliver on Saturdays now. So, Well, the post office does a lot of the last mile stuff for for. FedEx Amazon and, and FedEx. UPS yeah, right. and, yep. and Amazon. But hey, yep. you know, Jeff Bezos, keep making money, man. You could spend it all. Yeah. What was that yacht he bought? $55 million yacht no, or something no, like no, that? No, no, no. $500 million. $500 million. million. $55 million. That's Christ. pocket change, man. Man, if Bezos and Bill Gates can't stay happily married, what chance do we have? <laughs> On that note. <laughs> <laughs> If you disagree with us and have made it to the end of this podcast, we do want to hear from you. Because if we're full of it, you, the listeners, should tell us. We are full of it. Just going to be the first one to reply. <laughs> Y'all are full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. You know what? We know that. Wait a second. I recognize this email. That That's a, that's a given. Be more specific. <laughs> See y'all. See you in two weeks. My gun, he made me mad.
devil's bad, the devil is a bum, but the devil is my friend, the devil is my friend, wherever I go, the devil goes, the devil is my friend, and Godzilla is my friend, Godzilla is my friend, wherever I go, Godzilla go, Godzilla is my friend, and Shrinko was my friend, and Bridget was my friend, and Andrew Bob, he just popped off, now Gorbachev is my friend, and Francis Nutcher is my friend, Francis Nutcher is my friend, wherever I go, Sinatra goes, Frankie is my friend, and love and rockets are my friends, love and rockets are my friends, Was someone invented a party and the devil is my friend 